It's worth knowing what's really going on. This is the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Donald Trump has been indicted in Atlanta. We have so many court dockets to follow, but we haven't really seen anything yet. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution has covered every moment of this historic case. I've been writing about this investigation for two and a half years. Our team is led by reporters Bill Rankin and Tamar Hallerman. Follow our coverage on AJC.com and listen to new in-depth episodes of the award-winning podcast, Breakdown, the Trump Indictment, only from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. You all can learn something new by subscribing to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution's new newsletter called Unapologetically ATL. It's all about the people, the events, and the entertainment happening in Metro Atlanta that Black people might want to know about. So subscribe today at www.ajc.com slash unapologetically ATL. This is Access Atlanta. Every week, we share some of the best places to eat, play, and live out loud in the ATL. And, of course, we go behind the scenes and find the stories that show Atlanta is one of a kind. Welcome to Access Atlanta. I'm your host, Shane Harrison. We've changed the way we do our podcast. That means we're recording it remotely from our homes, but we've also changed what we're talking about in the podcast, since we've always prided ourselves on providing guidance on things to do in and around Atlanta, and because most venues, theaters, and attractions are closed, we're going indoors, and in some cases where it's practical, outdoors to places where it's easy to practice social distancing. From Buckhead galleries where works run into the five digits to scruffier indie art spaces populated by Gen Z types in mom jeans, Atlanta gallery owners can sometimes seem more anxious to chew the fat about the art on the walls than sell it. Hospitality and accessibility are hallmarks of Atlanta's art scene, which makes it easy to dip a toe in no matter what your art education. AGC contributor and art critic Felicia Feaster brought us a roundup of a few local galleries recently, and she spoke with some local gallery owners on this week's podcast, we'll talk about her conversation with Arnika Dawkins. Welcome, Felicia. Thank you. It's great to be here. I'm really excited to talk about the depth and breadth of the Atlanta gallery scene. Yeah, it's always been that way. And, and of course, you know, with the, the pandemic recently, there are, of course, some changes in the way that they do things. But, uh, you know, they're still going strong, right? I am so proud of the galleries in Atlanta for pivoting in really significant ways to try to support artists to continue to do what they love, which is promote um, amazing art. And even during a pandemic, they found really creative ways to have virtual gallery openings, virtual artist talks. And there's so many dimensions it shows to how you can present art to the public. So it's it's been really phenomenal to see how these galleries have managed to work despite this this awful pandemic. Right. And and I'm guessing that that some of them are, are reopening to the public now, right? Yes, many of them are, are definitely reopen and some have, you should always check the website before you visit because some of them have, you know, restrictions in terms of you have to make a reservation in advance, you definitely have to, you know, wear a mask, there are lots of different um, 
requirements that vary from gallery to gallery. So you really need to do a little bit of homework first before you walk through that door to make sure that you're you're visiting in a way that's safe for everyone. Right. And and as I, I mentioned, you did a, a roundup of some of these galleries recently, um, which we can find on on AJC.com. So you can check there and there'll be links and all of that. Um, but you spoke with a couple of these gallery owners. And uh, this week we're talking with Arnika Dawkins. Uh, what's uh, what's special about that gallery and about your conversation? Well, I just love Arnika Dawkins Gallery because it's really an unexpected place. I think for most people to see art, it's in a small um, ranch style home in the Cascade area south of Atlanta. So immediately when you when you walk through the door, you feel a sense of comfort. Um, it's not an intimidating white wall gallery space. You just feel like looking at art there is easy and accessible. And I think Arnika also does a great job of making art accessible. She's one of these um, gallerists who've really pivoted because of COVID and she's, you know, taken work on the road to have pop-up shows. She's had virtual artist talks. She does everything she can, I think, to make work accessible. And she at Arnika Dawkins Gallery, she really focuses on photography. That is her, her big love. And she also focuses on Black artists. So she wants to promote work by Black artists that maybe hasn't you know, been seen as much in museums and galleries. So she she's an advocate in, in that way. And she recently, right after we spoke, um, a tree fell on her gallery. And oh, so no. she had to pivot yet again. And the gallery is back open. Kudos to her for, for uh, doing that. But so, yeah, that's the thing about some of these small galleries. You have to take what life throws at you, yeah. I suppose. Yeah. Talk about perseverance. That's that's pretty good. Exactly. <laughs> so um, so with without further ado, let's uh, let's hear your conversation with Arnika Dawkins. Thanks so much, Felicia. Thank you. Welcome, Arnika. Hi, Felicia. So glad that you invited me to join you today. Well, thanks for doing it. And you know, I haven't seen you or many people in the arts world in a long while because of COVID. So how have you kind of adapted? to this new reality in terms of how you're, you know, having an art gallery and how you're exhibiting work by your artists. Oh, wow. It's been a journey. And um, when everything shut down for us uh, about a year ago, we um, quickly pivoted to a being in the virtual space. Um, it, it's been about a year uh, since um, we have, um, kind of made that pivot and it's been very interesting. And um, um, we are currently showing work by Najee Dorsey and it's called Southern Crossroads. We have done a hybrid model where we are inviting people and uh, patrons to come by the gallery by appointment. And so it's it's been a very interesting journey in that I think we will will likely do something of this hybrid model moving forward. We won't be like we were in 2019 um, and we won't be completely virtual. We're gonna do a bit of both. And I think it's been very interesting because through artist talks and also through um, artist studio visits, we've been able to connect and engage the artists that um, 
um, with, with patrons and those that would appreciate their work in very interesting ways. Some have been kind of intimate, which is really wonderful for VIP type of um, experiences. Um, and some others have been, um, you know, kind of, you know, everyone and anyone that's interested in engaging and being able to ask questions. I think it's been, um, it's been uh, a, a, an interesting process, but something that I think has been very exciting. We're all sort of learning new ways to adapt in the art world. So people can basically go to your website and they can see the work, the artists that you represent and see you know, what's coming up next. That's correct. And um, actually during the pandemic or during this time, um, we decided to, as I mentioned, pivot to more of a virtual presence, not only through utilizing platforms like artsy.net, but also um, enhancing our website to include viewing rooms. And so when we open now, we open in several different places and uh, that um, people can come by and look on, on the website, on the, on the web, but also by going to the gallery website and scheduling their appointment during our opening hours. And so we just wanna make it convenient for people to appreciate this, this, what I think is great work that we're showing by talented artists. Well, one thing I think is really unique about your gallery, it's ironic we're talking about the virtual realm, but people can still make an appointment and visit, is your space is, can you describe, you know, what it's like for people who haven't been to your gallery? I think people have a certain impression of what an art gallery looks like. Yes. It's a little bit intimidating, a little right. bit stark, white walls, right. very, right. you know, elite but you you have a really different approach that i think makes your gallery special can you talk a little bit about the setting absolutely and thank you for that we are nestled in a residential area um, a historic area in atlanta in the cascade area in a cottage house that's probably from the 1930s and um, we have several rooms in the gallery. We, I lovingly call them the fireplace room, the flat ball room, the main hall, the east room, and the west room. And so what's really, I think, kind of neat about it is um, people can envision this work on their walls because it, it, it is in a little old home. Um, but then for those who like a more contemporary setting, we do have kind of a lot of wall space so they can imagine what it would be like in, um, you know, in a more contemporary space. And so I, uh, I, I, I love the quaintness and I'm grateful that many people that come by also enjoy it as well. It's part of the experience. It totally is. So why did you make that decision? Because I know you have a master's from SCAD in digital photography and you've been in the art world. You're a collector. You obviously, you know, been to a lot of museums and galleries, but did you decide to take this direction because you wanted a more intimate domestic setting or did you do it because, you know, it's it's close to where you live or what was your rationale for for deciding to do the gallery in this way? So Felicia, that's a great question because um, after coming out of SCAD, getting my master's in digital photography, I was forced to, you know, question myself and wonder, what are you going to do with this newly minted degree? I figured at that time I had three options. I could 
work at a gallery, I could be behind the camera myself, or I could own a gallery. And I did some work at a local gallery in, in Atlanta and just fell in love with the process. And um, at that time, I thought this is what I want to do, you know, an opportunity to engage with artists, to talk to collectors, to help people build co collections that they can live with and enjoy. It was precisely what I wanted to do. And at that time, I was looking to find where would I have this gallery, <laughs> uh, looking all over town, um, kind of decided on some spaces, but it could not, our areas could not find the perfect setting. Um, this cottage house is a resource that um, my family and I had, and I knew then if I chose to do it, I wouldn't anticipate that people would readily be able to easily find me. So I decided to make it available and take the work to the people. As such, um, you know, we have the exhibitions here in Atlanta, but I also traveled with the work and um, we had um, like pop-up shows in Washington, D.C and one in Beverly Hills. I'm, I engaged in art fairs. And so it's just, it's been kind of a hybrid, I guess, since I, I started. Um, we're not necessarily a, um, where people would just walk into our gallery and find us. We are a destination. And it's just my hope that when um, folks do find us, that they come in and, and have a, a wonderful experience and see great art. I like what you say because it makes me realize galleries, gallerists are having to be really flexible in the contemporary art world. You can't just have a brick and mortar space and expect people to come and visit. You need to actually have a presence if you want to sell work, you know, maybe nationwide, internationally, online, and a lot of different access points for people to buy art. Yes, absolutely. And in the, in the notion that when I came, entered this arena, that the traditional gallery model at that time, the, the sands were shifting. And now you throw in a pandemic and we are completely, um, you know, in, in a different realm. It's exciting. It's scary. Um, but we are, I think um, I'm probably in the same boat as a, a lot of other galleries. We're all trying to figure it out. And um, I think it's with the ecosystem of museums, art organizations, art critics like yourself and galleries that talented artists can have their work seen by a wider audience. It, that's my belief that that's the only way someone can choose to acquire something or add it to their own personal collection. They have to see it. And I have to find creative ways to get the work out to be seen by a wider audience. I love it. And you don't have to get in a car to see art. You can actually just go onto your computer. It's great. And, and that, that is great. And, um, you know, I know a lot of times we are zoomed out um, after the pandemic and, um, you know, people do want to see art in person. I'm, I'm excited perhaps of, of upcoming art fairs and maybe we'll engage with people that way but it's wonderful that we can meet people where they are whether it's in their home and they're in the comfort of their own home or living room looking at art art fairs or even at gallery receptions or you know openings at exhibitions so it's it's an it's an exciting time a little bit scary but it, it's exciting nonetheless 
Well, I think you're doing a great job pivoting. I wanted to ask you, so your gallery's focus is photography, but a very particular kind of photography. Can you talk about um, what you people can expect to see uh, at your gallery? Yes, so we specialize in fine art photography and a further specialization, I'm sorry, that, that is the exclusive. I, I only show fine art photography, but our specialization is fine art photography photographers that are African-American or imagery of people from the African diaspora. Um, it's not my exclusivity, but it's something that um, I am keenly interested in. I'm interested in um, showing work by talented folks, but also what it is that they have to say with their work. I'm interested in the conversations that can be had, particularly for me, work that moves me in some type of way, whether I am engaged visually or that um, my heart is engaged or I have a perspective that has changed or it's making me think about something. Um, and, um, you know, for me, I, I do show a lot of work by emerging artists and it's a real, it's a real honor and privilege for me for them to trust me to show their work and also to connect with folks that also trust my vision in showing them work that they then can also um, enjoy and live with or work with. So do you think that you're focused not entirely but primarily on African-American photographers is that a response to something you saw in the larger art world? Well, you know, when I entered the gallery, started the gallery, which is almost 10 years ago now, I noticed that a lot of the galleries and particularly photography, because that's my specialization, that's what my um, studies were in obtaining my master's, that there, I didn't see a lot of reflections of me or people that I knew or my family. And so I, I um, or a lot of folks that like me were engaged in the process of learning how to collect or in taking a collection further. And so I thought that there was a real need and perhaps an opportunity to show great work by talented folks who, you know, may not have been a part of the, the establishment, so to speak. And um, I just wanted to focus on, on that um, area to uh, ensure that folks got a chance to engage with the work and see it. So what drew you to photography? You know, you could have gone into, you know, having a gallery that shows sculpture or painting, or you could have studied art history at SCAD, but you, you chose photography. Do you have like a, a seminal experience that from your, your past that really arrested you to the, you know, power of photography and what it could do? Or is it just something gradually over time that you realized you loved more than, than the other potential art forms out there? Well, I, I, I started out um, in this idea of photography or the medium of photography as a shutterbug. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, I had, uh, I have three children. And so I had these 
little ones that um, I was so um, enamored with and I started photographing them and they would stay where I put them because they were babies and they were my muse. And then I discovered as time went on, I'd go places and I would just kind of see the world in pictures. So I do have passion for the medium. It is the way that I see the world. I see the world in pictures. And then to find a picture, a photograph that then moves me in some way is the, the cherry on top. Um, and so I, I uh, use the, the medium for great discussion and, and great discourse. And I, I'm just um, gratified for doing so. And I'm, I'm just thrilled that I can share my passion um, for this medium with others and, and that it resonates with others as well is, is really exciting for me. And, and um, you know, a, a, a validation or that it's, re, it's validating that um, I, I believe that photography is a medium of our time and that, you know, we, we could have so many great discussions about it. I'm interested, as I mentioned, might have mentioned earlier, in the conversations that we can have. I don't know that the conversations or a photograph is going to solve some of the problems that exist in our current times, but I'm interested in, in trying to move the needle forward. And so, um, when I find work that's like that, it, it's moving and it and it makes it more than just a pretty picture. I totally agree. I also think photography has, it's more accessible than a lot of art forms for people who maybe aren't completely enmeshed in the in the world of the arts. And mm -hmm. I think people have have a comfort in in talking about it, responding to it, feeling like it's something that is a part of their reality and world. But you're super involved in photography in a lot of other ways. You have been a longtime collector, I understand, and also you are involved in Atlanta Celebrates Photography, a lot of organizations that focus on photography. Is your personal collection, is that primarily photography as well? So that's a really great question because um, um, my husband and I lived in the Northeast, um, just outside of Manhattan, and we would uh, travel into the city and go to museums and galleries because it didn't cost a lot. We'd take a look around and we started collecting um, like the early 90s. And our collection was pretty much focused at that time on Harlem Renaissance era work and we still absolutely love it but after um getting um obtaining my master's we and opening the gallery in particular we noticed that there's a lot of photography that has um rounded out our collection and to live with the work and see it every day is uh is very special to to us so do you have a particular piece Obviously, they're all your babies and you they're my babies. Oh, are you going to ask me to pick a favorite? <laughs> no, I'm just curious if there's something maybe that is within your line of sight every day that you see in your home oh, wow. that yes. really speaks to you. Yes, um, I have. We're fortunate to have work by Ayana B. Jackson, uh, a piece called um, titled 
Um, does a brown paper bag test really exist? Will my father be proud that we get to look at every day? I have V Spears in our collection, work by Omar Victor Diop, uh, a piece titled Frederick Douglass that uh, you know we, we definitely enjoy seeing. And then I've been um, fortunate to also support some of the artists that we work with, Urban A. Johnson, who is a millennial and an absolute rising star, um, have some of his work in our collection. And I could go on and on and on, um, uh, but it, it's just, uh, as you can tell, it warms my heart and um, it, it, it Get to, getting to see it every day is, is a, a real treat. So do you feel like you're doing anything differently in the way you present your exhibitions, the way you educate people in the age of Black Lives Matter, or is it just reaffirming what you already kind of believed in terms of representing uh, artists who are African-American? I think it's a, a, all of the above. Um, I think it's reaffirming. Um, you know, again, I'm interested in these conversations and I do try, um, you know, to expose people so that, that they can see the work and engage them in different ways. At, you know, at the gallery, we will have, um, um, prior to COVID, uh, or the pandemic, um, dinners with the artist, and uh, that has been really wonderful. Since the pandemic, uh, we have done um, like a vir virtual uh, conversations and cocktails and uh, had an opportunity to invite uh, our patrons to join us with um cocktails and popcorn that we've sent them and uh, just have, you know, uh, conversations. We, um, Urban A. Johnson, one of the artists that I mentioned um, and had the great privilege of showing his work during an exhibition at the, uh, at the Venice Biennale, um, did a stream of consciousness on the gallery walls. And, uh, you know, we, we try, um, many ways to engage and in creative ways so that um, this work can be seen and appreciated but also understood and so the part of my the mission of the gallery is to expose people to the joys of collecting and uh, finding ways to engage them in with the work and the art is uh, paramount do you have any tips for people who may be interested in starting an art collection? Maybe they, they don't have a, a ton of money to spend, but they really want to maybe support local artists or just have something unique, something one of a kind for their walls instead of just going to Ikea and picking up something off the shelf. You know, and, and we, we all can, we, we can go to Ikea and pick up something off the shelf and that that's what someone chooses, then, you know, I think that that's great. But isn't it wonderful to support a living artist, uh, you know, in their career as, as they're getting started? Um, and I think the, the, the it's, it's imperative for someone to buy what they love. You know, something as you meant, you asked me earlier, like, what do you live with and get to see? It's something that you live with and get to see every day. 
that it's fulfilling and rewarding to you to take a look at that it reflects you and you're part of the the conversation that you see every day in your home is uh is uh i think i think the the biggest tip that i would suggest to people buy first what you love um if you have an opportunity to meet an artist that's that's exceptional so supporting local artists is is i think very important and this the ecosystem of um arts organizations and museums and galleries um, that do support local artists i think um just bolsters um their ability to to make more and uh make more work and um um you know have their work be extended beyond just their intention, which um, the artist intention uh, is, is um, you know, I think something that reflects what a person thinks is also really important in terms of collecting. And I don't, I, I hope that one of the things I wanted to do also with my galleries demystify mm -hmm. this whole notion of collecting, make it so that um you know people understand what it is they're looking at and uh what it is that um you know how they can enjoy it so uh, one of the things i also am interested in is how the work lives beyond the artist's creation mm -hmm. and how someone can um take care of it by framing it properly and having uh the proper glaze on it and um where to hang it and not in direct sunlight and things like that. So um, uh, it, it is it is um, it, it is complicated, but not really. You know, it's like it. it but but if one is interested, it. it um, I know that their galleries uh, are just you know excited and and interested to help one navigate that whole process of starting a collection or adding to a collection. I love that you get into the practicalities of hanging art in your home and the kind of glass and the kind of frame you choose because frames can say a lot of things depending on you know whether you have more of a contemporary um, black or white frame or something a little bit more ornate I mean there are a lot of choices that you have to make and I think that's a really important point that that can impact the way that you and other people look at the work in your home. Right. I love the fact that it's really unique that conversation is obviously really important to you creating dialogue around uh -huh. the works. Is that something that has carried over from maybe what you did prior to becoming a gallery owner? Is that something, you know, that that was part of your work previously? Where does that interest come from? I think that interest stems from my passion and and growing passion. Um, the work that I did prior um, was in corporate America. And then I was a stay-at-home mom uh, volunteer here in Atlanta with the Junior League and Jack and Jill of America um, and organizations like that. So um, I, it, it, it just derives from a, a, a strong passion for the medium itself and the, the way that art enriches uh, my life and um, it, and it's wonderful when when people see the work that I, I think that it enriches what they see in their lives as well. I think that that uh, is pretty much 
you know, it's, it's passion. This was my passion project. And I, I, I uh, pinch myself that I get to do it. So can you talk a little bit about maybe something you, an artist you have coming up in the gallery, a show virtual or otherwise that you're going to be mounting, um, something people can look forward to? Yes, um, we um, are planning and programming for uh, work by Wendy Snyder, who is a Denver-based photographer and her work is it is really a, a lot about beauty and nature. And I think when seeing it, you're transported in other places and, and, and uh, have a strong sense of serenity. We're also planning a exhibition titled Black Girl Magic. Um, and I think that that uh, is, is easily understood and just celebrating uh, Black women and the imagery of Black women and the magic that happens ar around this, this positive force. Um, we're also going to do, be doing a show coming up called Atlanta on my mind, where we focus a lot more on local, uh, fine art photographers. And so we have our hands full and, you know, we're really excited, um, during Atlanta celebrates photography. We're going to show work by Janine McNabales, and it is work um, celebrating the 100th anniversary of the women's suffrage movement. Um, and so our programming is um, varied, but I think um, it, you know, it's my goal to make sure that the work is, um, um, you know, has something to say by having one view it. Do you want to talk about Atlanta Celebrates Photography for people who maybe don't know about that uh, organization and what they do? You're, you're very involved in Atlanta Celebrates Photography, so it, it might be nice for you to talk about why you got involved and, and what you see its function in Atlanta being. Yes, um, two of my loves, Atlanta and photography coming together in a um, month long festival in the fall, generally in October, where artists, um, uh, I'm sorry, institutions and organizations, local ones are um, mounting exhibitions that are all photography. Um, and I generally ensure that we have um, interesting and excellent programming year round, but in particular during Atlanta Celebrates Photography, just so many, so many wonderful opportunities for Atlanta residents to enjoy the medium all around the metro area. And that's generally in October, the month of October. Well, um, I really appreciate you taking the time to speak with me, Arnika. It's been so fascinating to learn a little bit more about your personal journey and what you're doing at your gallery and the many ways people can engage with photography through your gallery, um, whether they want to you know, visit this physical space or they want to browse your catalog of artists, see what you have to offer sit in on a talk. Um, there's so many ways right now. It's a, COVID has been terrible, but it's also created a lot of ingenuity and flexibility in, in arts organizations and galleries and museums that allow people to access art in new ways. And I, I think that in itself is kind of a good thing. So we really appreciate your time. Thank you 
you so much, Felicia, for um, this conversation and, um, you know, allowing others to learn about the gallery and the artists that we represent and show. I really appreciate your time and just really grateful for um, all that you do to expose Atlantans to uh, great art. And what's the website people will go to to look at your, your artist's work? The gallery website can be found at adawkinsgallery.com. We are also on the artsy platform and um, I hope folks will get a chance to take a look at the artists that we show. That's awesome, thank you. Willie Nelson and a merry brood of musicians will hit the road this summer for the Outlaw Music Festival. The shows feature a rotating cast of artists, and the September 22nd performance at Ameris Bank Amphitheater will include Nelson, now 88, as well as Sturgill Simpson, Kathleen Edwards, and more. To get all of the details and to find out how to buy tickets, go to the Atlanta Music Scene blog on AJC.com. Like Irving Penn and Richard Avedon, Albert Watson's work exceeds the limitations of fashion or celebrity photography. He shot more than 100 Vogue magazine covers and subjects ranging from his first celebrity portrait of filmmaker Alfred Hitchcock to celebrities like Michael Jackson, Uma Thurman, and captains of industry like Steve Jobs. His illustrious career is documented in the Scadfash Museum of Fashion and Film exhibition, The Light Behind the Lens, up through September 5th, which features more than 50 photographs taken by the Scottish-born photographer. Read Felicia Feaster's interview with Watson on AJC.com. Entering the digitally animated Van Gogh The Immersive Experience is less like walking into a painting and more like stepping into an IMAX fever dream, writes the AJC's Bo Emerson. In a room the size of a railroad barn, Painterly trains come and go, filling the interior with images of soft gray smoke. And that's just a small part of what you'll experience. In a strange confluence of events, it is one of several competing Van Gogh exhibits touring the U.S. simultaneously. It joins a trend of immersive shows, such as the recent exhibit of art from the Sistine Chapel and the upcoming show of work by the street artist Banksy. The producers of the experience seem to have tapped into a raging demand. Atlantans are crazy about Van Gogh. Some 200,000 have bought tickets to the experience, and many weeks of its eight-month run have been sold out. Read more about the experience and how to get tickets on AJC.com. The AJC's dining team continues to explore some of the best in takeout with the Atlanta Orders In feature, which you'll find in print in the living section. One of the places they recently visited is Maya Abuela's Food. Just steps from the Atlanta Beltline, My Abuela's Food is Luis Martinez's love letter to the Caribbean island where he was born and where he spent many summers watching his abuelas, his grandmothers, Mama Mary and Mama Day, cook traditional Puerto Rican food. Read more about My Abuela's Food and catch up on all the places the team has visited on the Atlanta Restaurant Scene blog at AJC.com. To get the AJC delivered or to subscribe to the e-paper, go to AJC.com slash subscribe. For more things to do in and around Atlanta, go to AJC.com. Our senior editor is Nicole Smith. The podcast is edited by Tyson Horn. The theme music is by Bo Emerson and Billy Guin. And I'm your host, Shane Harrison. Join us next week for more Access Atlanta.